0: Hey, I'm Will, and this is Benj.
1: We're both church planners trying to work out how to form churches in this post-pandemic world. I lead a church that's trying to grow big.
0: And I lead a church that's trying to grow small. But we share an interest in the beautiful and diverse future of the church in Australia. What will it look like?
1: How will it adapt and innovate and thrive?
0: If you're asking these questions too, then join us as we host a range of conversations with diverse thinkers and practitioners around what comes next.
1: Welcome to the Forming Church Podcast, brought to you by Gen 1K and our vision to see a thousand healthy churches in a generation.
0: Well, dear friends, this is a roundtable episode. What does that mean, Benj? Well, it means we are continuing the conversation from last
1: week's episode. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, go back and listen to that. That will give you context for what we're talking about today.
0: Jamie Freeman and a couple of friends that he's pulled in i are going to go through that episode and kind of help to unpack it and flesh it out in different contexts. So this is your chance to go deeper and consider what these ideas might look like where you are.
2: Well, welcome to the Forming Church Podcast Roundtable Conversation. In last week's interview, Benj and Will sat down with Melinda Dwight from Alpha to talk about all things evangelism and what this looks like both in Australia and beyond. Uh, With me this week, I have Ainsley, my lovely wife again, and also Belinda. Welcome, guys.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much.
2: It'd be great for people to get to know you, Belinda, a little bit more. So can you paint for us a bit of a picture of what life and ministry looks like for you?
3: Yeah, I'd love to. So life for me is lockdown life right now, but it's not too difficult because I have a great family. I don't just love my family. I like my family. So I have three teenage boys and a girl in primary school who are currently Zooming on their... Uh, school lessons I hope right now. <laughs> I think I can hear the Nintendo to be honest and um, my husband Tim he works in construction so he um, has very early mornings which means our whole family routine is really based around very early mornings um, and I live in Dapto on the south coast and I'm a proud Dapdoian we're famous for things like greyhound races and our train station but my, my heart beats here I, I love my local community In terms of paid ministry, I do two days a week with you, Jamie, my boss at the Baptist Association. I'm an evangelism consultant, and I do one day a week at Guy Baptist, also doing evangelism consultancy.
2: Fantastic. Thank you. And I feel quite privileged to be able to sit down with two of perhaps uh, the most inspirational evangelists that I know in my life, people who actually... Uh, have not only spent a lot of time thinking about it, but actually doing it. And Belinda uh, has many, many stories. And whenever she comes into the office, she inspires me, again, just about what it looks like to do life with people and to share faith. So i really privileged to sit down with you guys. And speaking about lovely families, Belinda, um, yes. I'd love to welcome back Ainsley. She was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. But for those who might not have listened, go back and listen. Uh, but Ainsley, do you want to share briefly a bit about your life and ministry context?
4: Yes, sure. So I'm married to yourself. We have three (laughs) boys um, who are quite young. So we're only homeschooling one at the moment and two are just running amok. And I work for a ministry organisation called Olive Tree Media. And we make resources, um, particularly in the area of um, evangelism and mission and, and wanting to see people equipped in those areas.
2: So I got you back for a reason, didn't I? Not just to hang out, but because you have not only lived experience of this, but you spend a lot of your time working in this space. Both of you do. So it's fantastic to be able to sit down and reflect on what Melinda had to say about the future of evangelism. So guys, I'd love to hear what stood out to you in that interview.
3: Well, I was hit by the research that Alpha does. I I think it's just such a gift to the church, the way that they don't just sort of guess what's happening in an Australian context, but they have put time and effort and money into giving us research that we can use. So I really appreciate that. And and when she sort of described some of the results of those research. So things like um, Melinda said, all our digital searches are saying people are searching more about prayer and God. Uh, That really struck me as fascinating and 49% of people say they never get a chance to have a spiritual conversation and that's like one in two, you know, that's a huge amount of people who are thinking, gee, I'd love to discuss what I'm thinking about spiritually, I just can't do it with anyone and that really gave me hope. I thought, man, if that's true i need to be braver i need to be the one the catalyst the person who starts bringing this up and seeing if i'm speaking to the one in two person that's willing to have a conversation so um what's about to me where statistics are useful and i should probably be a little bit braver
2: that's great and as you heard those statistics did they resonate with your lived experience um like when i heard them i was like actually at least in recent years, probably the last three to five years, I have noticed um, a growing interest from people in the area of spirituality. People are asking bigger, bigger questions. And I think uh, in particular over the last 18 months during COVID, um, I've experienced that uh, more locally in our neighbourhood and in the people who we do life with. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to hear your experience, Belinda, as, uh, yeah, and, and as you heard those stats.
3: Yeah, I think that... Um, it's important probably to distinguish between spiritual and Christian. So I think people are happy to discuss their spiritual beliefs, understanding right now that that's a whole range of things. So I'm a middle-aged woman now, and I I think some of my friends are picking up new age beliefs. So I'm having spiritual conversations, but they're about energy and the cosmos and um, (laughs) signs from the universe and things like that. So there's room there to have spiritual conversations. And I think the important part is conversation. And so I'm finding if you're willing to have a conversation, if you're willing to not judge, if you're willing to give the other person space to speak, then they're willing to let you share as well. So I, I think if you're willing to listen, uh, yeah, I think that would match my experience.
2: I wonder how that relates to the other point that Melinda made around uh that we've shifted from an uh, age of information to the relational age. And and so in a relational age, people are wanting to hear a bit more about um, what you think in terms of uh, spirituality and just life in general, whereas uh, uh, maybe in times gone past that looked different um, and you didn't engage into that space because it was about winning people over, it was about... Um, Uh, providing particular arguments but but I wonder if that that shift to a a relational age is much more about curiosity and questions and um as you said Belinda listening really really well and uh hearing what people uh, are saying yeah what what else stood out to you guys
4: well I just think um They were having this conversation, Will, Benj and Melinda, around the baggage around this word evangelism. And I think, you know, Melinda sort of hinted at it, but we've all, you know, for those of us that grew up in church, we've all done the whatever evangelism course that was going at the time that we were a teenager. And um, I think there is for some people a bit of dread around that word and there's baggage around it and there's a bit of resistance to it. Um, but I think, yeah, the the statistics around people's openness to it, whether it's the sort of 70% of people out there who are prayers or whether it's sort of the 10 million people in Australia that are ticking the Christian box but don't actually attend church, those people are going to be really interesting people to have conversations with. They're going to be really interesting people to actually approach the topic of Christian faith. You know, like, why do you tick the Christian box? What what leads you to to kind of identify in that way with this brand of Christianity? And in what ways are you positively disposed to that? They're obviously not that against it if they're going to tick that box. And I was sort of, as I was reflecting on this podcast and thinking about it, I, I was then having a conversation with our kids in the car about vaccination. They, they sort of asked about it and I was explaining the kind of science around vaccinations to my kids and I was with such excitement that I was talking about that you get this little bit of the virus and this is what your body does and this is how it protects you next time and they were fascinated and it was this wonderful sharing of good news or good information and I think however I think sometimes we can assume with evangelism that we're sitting in the car with a bunch of anti-vaxxers and that when we sh- go to share this news that They've already assessed it, they've already thought about it, and they've already made their decision, they're already against it. And I think when we approach evangelism, I think we often think we're sitting with anti, anti-vaxxers or anti-Christians, people who have already decided against faith. However, there are so many people out there that live in our street, that stand at the school gate with us, that, that live in our neighbourhood, who are really positively disposed in some sense to spiritual things, to Christian faith, and that the work of evangelism is opening up conversations and letting their questions lead the way where we can have conversations about faith with them based on where they're at. But it's it's a fascinating thing to, to actually approach life and go, wow, there's actually heaps of people out there who are really interested, hungry, open, wanting to have conversations about faith. And we just need to be led by the Holy Spirit to kind of just lean into those.
3: Yeah, that's a really good example. And so I think that's really helpful. The idea of uh, making assumptions about who you're talking to. And, um, you know, there's that old joke, there's two lots of people who hate evangelism, Christians and non-Christians. <laughs> and, and And I think... Like my job title, so I'm stuck with it, is evangelism consultant. You know, I I just can't run away from the word. And I spent some time thinking about, you know, do you use the word witness or faith sharing? And uh, when I do my training, I've called it Plan A, the great commission for every Christian. So I deliberately try to avoid the word evangelism, but just say like, hey, we've got this commission to make disciples. What might that look like? Um, But I, I think it's important to remember that evangelism is about speaking the good news so I, I think it's important that we still have some way of referencing people need to hear the good news and I, I think the problem Christians have has been that evangelism has come to mean a certain mode or a certain method rather than the message and so if we can remind people evangelism is sharing the message of Jesus but the method of doing that can vary greatly then I think we might overcome some of those troubles.
2: And the motivation is love. So there you go. You've got your, your alliteration as a Baptist there leader. Go, yeah. That's great. So your motivation <laughs> is love. The message is the good news of Jesus. And and really the issue is around the method. And, yeah. and maybe we, we need to rethink our methods because the baggage around that, yeah.
0: This episode is brought to you by Baptist Care, a leading non-profit Christian organization serving the aged and people living with disadvantage for over 75 years. Did you know
1: that as well as providing residential aged care, Baptist Care's Hope Street sites create safe spaces for disadvantaged and distressed individuals facing issues such as domestic violence, homelessness, mental health, or addiction issues?
0: If you want to make a difference in your community, then volunteering with Baptist Care is a great way to do that. You can join the team as a pastoral care volunteer
1: or help serve at a Hope Street site or visit residents in aged care homes. On Forming Church, we're always talking about ways the church can connect with the neighbourhood. And volunteering with Baptist Care is a
0: fantastic way to do that. To get involved or find out more, visit baptistcare.org.au.
2: Kind of on that method space, Melinda talked a bit about going back to first principles and how important that is during this season of reimagining what the future of evangelism is and Belinda I know you've done a lot of thinking in that space and um, yeah I'd love for you to share a bit about plan a and and this whole idea of going back to first principles in evangelism
3: yeah well it does come down to if the message can't be changed and the motivation always needs to be love, but what can be changed is the method then what we really need is principles. So I totally um, agreed with Melinda. She'll be happy to know that we need to come back to first principles of evangelism. And so I've spent some time thinking, well, what are those principles? If, if we were going to practice them, what would they look like? And so plan A is five principles of evangelism. And so I've called them growing, knowing, sewing, rowing and showing up. Um, because I couldn't find anything that, you know, was alliteration. So I went with rhyming. Um, but, but in just very briefly, so the idea of growing as disciples of Jesus. So this is our authenticity. This is live as a follower of Jesus, be salt and light, and, and live a life that people do come to you with questions and don't be a hypocrite. Uh, knowing others, so that's the relational side, the coming alongside, the loving others, the listening to their stories and finding out what their questions actually are sowing seeds in conversation. So I emphasize that in conversation, it's it's not a presentation anymore. It's a journey. It's lots of back and forward. It's sitting with doubt and wonder and curiosity. But in those conversations, sow seeds, you know, be brave. Take that moment to share your story because you, you can. People do want to hear your story if they trust you because you're growing and you're knowing. Uh, the fourth principle is rowing together. So this is partnership. I think often we feel the pressure of oh, individual evangelism. It's all on me, but it's the church's mission and we can partner together and use our gifts to uh, help the church witness and finally showing up and depending on Jesus. I, this is the principle. I just wanted to make space to acknowledge that this feels slow. Sometimes it feels difficult. It can be disappointing um, but as Melinda said, it's Jesus's mission. <laughs> and so if we keep uh, listening to Holy Spirit, keep praying and keep, I think, being intentional with these principles, I think we're going to see God at work.
2: That's so good. And one of the things that uh, really struck me as you are sharing about this whole idea of rowing together, that was certainly our experience um, in a local church setting where... Uh, we were very committed to living surprising lives and mobilizing our people on mission together in in their individual workplaces, in their family context, in their neighborhood. And we spent a lot of time focusing on that. And someone on the leadership team uh, came to me at one point and said, hey, we're doing all of this stuff, but why aren't we seeing any fruit? And I went away and and sat with that for a while and spent time praying. and, And that verse about, they will know you're my disciples by the way in which you love one another really um, struck me at that point in time and that it's people need to be exposed to the way in which we love one another with a with a deep christian love there's something so appealing about that 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 is part of evangelism and and it's not individuals just going off on their own we see jesus sending people out in twos and in teams but but there's this sense of community life um, Christian community life where there is this um, radical generosity, radical uh, giving of oneself, radical trust of one another, hopefully in a good situation, that is really appealing to, to people. Um, and so, yeah, really, as you were uh, sharing that, Belinda, that really struck me again.
4: And I think it connects as well with the alpha principle around hospitality and around breaking bread and, and this idea that um, evangelism... Is, is also people being scooped up into the hospitality of the church and of community and that's why Alpha works so well is this community round the table enfolding aspect that Melinda touched on a few times and that certainly is a huge part of people's journey to faith is becoming enfolded into or getting caught up in the crossfire of Christian love.
2: One of the other areas I've done a bit of thinking on in recent years is this area of proxemics and how people inhabit spaces differently and so you might have heard of the term personal space when someone is standing too close to you and what that means is someone who is standing too close to you that you don't want to be standing close to you if that was your kid or if that was your your partner or someone who is a close friend or a parent uh, you're quite happy for them to be in that intimate space uh, but just not in your personal space so the Um, kind of identified four different spaces the intimate the personal the social and the public space and you know the research points to the fact that we inhabit those spaces in different ways if you're sitting on the in a in a bus on on the way to the city next to somebody and they put their hand on your knee that's inappropriate isn't it Um, and if they whisper in your ear, that's not okay because that's a public space. Uh, But if that was your partner uh, and you were sitting in front of the TV watching Netflix in your home that's a very different type of conversation. So it's thinking through uh, the types of conversations and the types of relationships we have and and how we navigate that space uh, through the lens of evangelism as well that I think is really, really helpful. Um, so there might be a compelling um, public presentation that is accessible to certain people in certain ways, um, which is different to that um, intimate Listening and responding to uh, the questions that somebody might have where they share from a place of vulnerability. Um, You know, after church on a Sunday, uh, you're not going to ask somebody about a really deep personal thing and get them to share in that really public forum. And so I think thinking about those spaces and how we inhabit them and the types of conversation, um, we could do better, I think, at that.
3: Yeah, that's, um, I'd be fascinated to hear what you're reading jamie because guy and Baptist baptist working through that right now the idea of different spaces providing different um equipping for the church so yeah a public sunday gathering is quite different to a, a missional community which is very different to a life group which is very different to a prayer triplet and how each of those things feed into our own discipleship our own growth with jesus but then also how can we include other people in that space and i i, mean, I totally agree i've heard sam chan say it many times the the idea of our Beliefs and values come from our community. You know, we think we're rational that if you just give me a piece of information and facts, that I'll assent to it. But generally, our most uh, influence in terms of our thinking and behavior comes from our community. And so, I, I think it's very important to think about what are our communities doing, and where and how are we including people in those communities.
2: Yeah, well, the idea of proxemics was developed by um, a guy in the '60s, uh, a sociologist and um edward t hall so i think that was where i first came upon it and it's kind of coming into popular literature now and yeah really interesting conversations i think that the church is beginning to have in this space what else stood out to you guys
4: oh i think there was this um really interesting coupling of that evangelism is both the love of people and it's also work and it takes intention and so i think There was this beautiful idea that you're motivated by love, that when you care about people, you can't help but come alongside them and have conversations and be interested in where they're at spiritually and open up that space for them to explore faith. Um, but then there was this also this conversation around evangelism's work and you know Melinda talked about putting it in her diary and asking herself at the end of every day did I do that where was a missed opportunity Holy Spirit where were you asking me to speak and I didn't and um, I think we do need to kind of I think sometimes we lean more towards our oh, evangelism it's just so much hard work or we take the cop out of all I'm not gifted at it so I'm just not going to do it I'm a different gift to the body of Christ I'm not an evangelist or or you know we we try to hold that evangelism is is love and should come naturally and should be easy and if it's not then we just won't do it but somehow we've got to hold both somehow we've got to have intentions somehow we've got to realize it's going to take a bit of work but also be motivated by love for people not bums on seats kind of like, you know, great, we, we've got another convert tick, but just a genuine care and love for people and where they're at and that if we can be motivated by that, then, then it is work still and we've just got to work at it and work at how we can integrate it into our life and be intentional about it.
2: Well, love is work, isn't it? Love is costly. Um, if you want a relationship to flourish, you have to schedule time. You have to think about the way in which the other person receives love. So, yeah, there is that um, dynamic that love is work. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I, I've tried to hold that tension together with the plan A principles. So the last principle, showing up and depending on Jesus, that's to give people space to say, this hard, this work, you know, yeah. um, but also saying, but... That's not the only story. That's not all there is, that there is that that relational aspect and there is the, the joy of living an authentic life. So trying to allow that conversation, which I think Melinda highlighted by, um, as you pointed out, Ainsley, starting by saying, yeah, you know, we come alongside people, but it's also work. So I think we need to have more of those conversations. We need to be real with people. There's no point pretending it's not hard, but we shouldn't just speak of it like it's only hard.
4: Mm.
2: So the Forming Church community gathered online for the Form conference with others uh, not too long ago. And as you shared a bit about um, some research into uh, people in Australia coming to faith. I wondered if there was anything in that that stood out to you um, and and perhaps you know relating it to the experience of Alpha or if there's anything that you could kind of share to this audience here as they're listening.
4: Yeah, well, I guess the, the main the main sort of highlight piece from um, this research um, that was done into how Australians find faith in Australia today, basically why are unchurched people becoming Christians, Um, that basically pre-conversion engagement in spiritual practices was a critical element of non-Christians' journey toward faith. So I think often we think our spiritual practices, praying, reading the Bible, going to church, being part of a small group, um, meditation, silent retreats, fasting, we, we, we think those are things for Christians, that they refine our Christian faith, that they draw us to Jesus, that they are part of our discipleship. But I think what was amazing about this research was that all of the research participants talked about spiritual practices as part of their journey toward faith and that that was how they met Jesus. That was how they experienced God for the first time. And I think we, part of our sort of, I guess, work of evangelism is looking at invitational opportunities for people to participate in spiritual practices with us. And certainly in our church planting journey I think we saw that a lot. We saw that people were really happy to be enfolded into community. They were really happy to come to church on a Sunday or be part of a gathering or, or even, you know, serve and, and garden at someone's house. Or, you know, they were happy to be part of the Christian community and that that was part of their encountering of Jesus and their steps toward faith as opposed to kind of we need to convert people and then they do spiritual practices as part of their kind of formation. Um, so, yeah, that was probably the main thing. And, and a reminder about this idea of invitation, that that as Christians, a huge part of our our um, role in evangelism, and Melinda talks about this in terms of Alpha, is we need to invite people. We need to invite them into those spaces and and... And, yeah, I guess the worst thing they can say is no. Um, <laughs> but a, a lot will probably say yes and that that's a, a big thing that we need to lean into and, and be led by the Holy Spirit as well. That, you know, in the, in the talk I did at Form, I looked at um, three passages in Acts where, where people, I guess, are converted and the role of that Christian person, they were so in tune with God, they were so in tune with God's prompting, God's vision, God pointing out a person Um, And we need to, you know, as Melinda said, we need to pray more.
3: Yeah, I think um, that's one of the reasons why Alpha works so well. The idea that actually sort of starts a spiritual practice. I don't think the person signing up would maybe even see it that way. But the idea of a regular time at a regular place, you show up and you see the same people and you're part of community and then you have a a spiritual conversation around Jesus or what is the Bible and... There's actually a participation in those spiritual practices, which helps form them. And even the idea of prayer is introduced, like praying, come Holy Spirit. And uh, I mean, there's so many great things about it. It works on so many levels. And I think that's just another reason why Alpha works so well.
0: This episode is sponsored by Baptist Financial Services.
1: Invest with purpose. Find out more at bfs.org.au.
2: I'm going to get you to think about a question or something you'd love to follow up with Melinda. But one last observation that I thought was really helpful for me was that she talked about this um, need for low control and high invitation. And yet, as I reflect on um, you know evangelism throughout recent history, I wonder how much of it has been flipped, where there there has been this high control. Um, trying to control uh, the individual or the environment or the information uh, and low invitation perhaps. And so what does it look like to have low control but high invitation? As you mentioned just before, Ainsley, how are we inviting people into those spaces? I and mean, that doesn't need to be um, a Sunday church gathering, which I think is one place. But what are the, the the other places that you can invite people into? It could be an Alpha course. It could be to go for a walk in God's beautiful creation um, there's, there's many different ways in which we can invite people to participate in what God is doing. So guys, I've given you a moment to think. Uh, do you have a follow-up question or observation or conversation that you would love to have with Melinda?
4: Yeah, well, I, I would probably ask her to share a personal story i'd love to hear a time when it was her intention that it was in her diary that that um by having it there prompting her every morning that that was the the prompt that was needed for her to actually sort of take action that day or or i'd love to hear a story of how um yeah god brought someone across her path that she would not have noticed without that intention so i'd love to hear you know she said she's a storyteller i'd love to hear some of her stories
2: right how about you Belinda
3: I'd love I didn't have so much as a question but I'd love to have more of a conversation around those KPIs she mentioned so they're the easy ones to measure butts and budgets but if uh, you know evangelism is something that's low control if it's organic if it's just day-to-day interactions, how do you measure that? How would you say be able to look at statistics and say, yeah, I can see that our church members are actively engaged in sharing their faith, so how would you capture that? That would be a a conversation I'd love to have.
2: Sounds like two conversations that I would love to be a part of as well, so maybe we can arrange for that to happen at some point in time. Uh, Guys, for... The listeners that are wanting to take first steps or next steps into this, this whole area of evangelism, what's one way that they could do that or a word of encouragement that you would have for them?
4: Um, uh, I think I would encourage people to pray each and every day, God, where are you at work? Whose life are you working in and how can I join you today? And, and at the end of the day to ask God, God, where, where were you working and, and where could I, where did I miss something? How could I, you know, have lent in more? But I think just a daily prayer that 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 opens you up to where God is working and stepping into that.
2: Mm, that's great. How about you, Belinda?
3: Well, after praying, <laughs> because that is obviously an excellent <laughs> suggestion. Yeah, you can't beat that. <laughs> As a second step, um, I would encourage people to improve their Conversation skills. I I think perhaps we're not as good at conversation as we think we are. And when I look back over my last five years, what's helped me have better conversations about Jesus isn't that I've learned better gospel outlines or better apologetics, but I've become better at conversation. So uh, get a diary, start noting, taking note of what kinds of conversations you're having, and learn um, how to practice deep listening. I, I think that would make a world of difference to the types of conversations we're having.
2: That's fantastic. That's a really great practical step. Thank you for that. Um, Guys, you're both involved in the area of evangelism and equipping people and encouraging people in this space. Uh, Belinda, if people are wanting to hear more about Plan A and get connected with it, uh, what are the ways that they can do that?
3: Well, you can contact me through what is currently the Gen 1K mission website. So if you look up uh, the website, you'll find a form that says contact me. I think I'm the only Belinda Lakeland in the whole world. So if you Google <laughs> that me, I'm I'm unhideable. So you will find a way to contact me on, on Facebook or email.
2: And what are some of the things that you can do uh, for churches and for individuals in this space?
3: Yeah, so I'm employed to help Baptist churches think about evangelism so I'm just happy to have a conversation about what it might look like for your church members to run alpha or be involved in building a discipling culture BDC Um, but I'd be more than happy to chat about plan A and what it would look like to introduce your church to the principles of plan A and how you can help people start living out those first principles of evangelism there's some sermon outlines and bible study and life group material there's a, a range of resources around plan A that you might find helpful.
2: That's great. And another thing that you've been doing in in a few different places is coaching leaders uh, in this area and coaching churches. And so, um, yeah, what a great opportunity for people who they might not feel like uh, they've got that gift, but they would love someone in their church to be connected into that space and to have evangelism championed in a local context. Um, We'd encourage you, please, to connect with Belinda. She would love to support them and to see that uh, grow and flourish in your local context. Ainsley, how about you?
4: Yeah, so you can find out more about us at olivetreemedia.com.au and we um, basically have a bunch of resources and documentaries and series that um, can inspire and challenge and move people toward mission and evangelism um, and and hopefully give people um, more... I guess, information, more experience, more stories, more ideas that might um, encourage them in their conversations with others that then they can share about Jesus and the, the, the massive impact that he has had in our world and in people's lives.
2: That's fantastic. Thank you guys so much for the conversation today. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for listening. You can join the conversation online via our Facebook group. Just search uh, Forming Church Podcast Facebook group and you can join there. And we're having some really great conversation at the moment around these interviews and the roundtable conversation. So please join the conversation online and you can also follow us on Instagram.